The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the same place they play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, the recruiting edition. Yawn, seven consecutive number one ranked classes in a row, National Signing Day, hashtag NSD. That's Nick Saban Day, right? Man, National Signing Day at Alabama has definitely changed over the time that we've been doing this show and even longer being fans of Alabama. Um, we remember the days when a four-star was a big deal for our program. And today, man, we gray-shirted a four-star. We, we have definitely come a long ways. Yeah, have we, have, have we jumped the proverbial, proverbial uh, recruiting shark with that? Are we just showing off now? Man, we are definitely showing off because uh, when you can have 12 early enrollees at your program, and five of those early and five of those twelve early enrollees are five star consensus guys across several recruiting rankings. Man, times are good uh, for Nick Saban. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean they they enroll early. They did get to go through an additional spring practice, which puts them that much you know closer to being ready. And then you could argue that the proof is on the pudding, right? Once you once you sort of dress it up right, everybody wants to enroll early because you know Jonah Williams and Jan, uh, Jalen Hurts, right? No, absolutely, man. We had seven early enrollees total last year. Two were significant starters. One was a significant contributor. And so you had three out of seven. Man, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, why don't we jump into this and uh, we'll, we'll kind of set, set the stage of, you know, kind of how we talk through this. Look, everyone, you know, everyone in the recruiting class, it's a f- phenomenal class. It's, uh, you know, one service has it the highest rated class that Saban's uh, had at Alabama. So there's no one in this class to talk negative about. We're just kind of giving our two cents on, you know, how we think they may sort of flow through. So we'll talk a little bit about those that we think have the uh, intersection of talent and opportunity to be day one contributors, maybe not starters, but certainly day one contributors. We'll look at those that we think that have the talent to have uh, really uh, a career achievement, though they may uh, face a log jam and redshirt. And then we'll talk about guys, uh, I'll just call them wildcard guys. They're the guys that we don't know where to bucket them, but we can't not talk about them. And so we'll do probably two, three uh, for each, uh, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Tom, why don't we start with day one contributors? You want to go first? Or you want me to? Man, you go ahead and take it first, man. Who you who you got on the top of your list? I'm going. I'm going straight to point of need. I'm going straight to uh, an area that we've spent most of last season talking about. Uh, you could almost pick any of the defensive linemen. I'm going Isaiah Bugs uh, primarily because he's a JUCO, and so I think that gives him a little bit of separation on some of the other guys. Uh, you're looking at a 6'4 guy, 270, JUCO experience, number one ranked JUCO uh, at his position. He fits an immediate need, uh, and I think that uh, I think he, at, at a minimum, Tommy, at a minimum, he's in the rotation at defensive uh, line. I think he has an opportunity to be a day one starter. Well, man, he he would be like a Jerron Reed, right? I mean, look what Jerron Reed did when yes. he came to Alabama. Uh, he came in at a very good time. And as long as he's able to uh, take on the double team, you know, that's what we need in the middle of the defense. 
That's a great. That's a great uh, uh, sort of proxy. He's not as big as a as a draw, but sort of that that type of role, that type of need that we have, and you know, convergence of talent and opportunity. I think Isaiah Bugs fits that uh, almost nearly as well as anyone on the, in this recruiting class. Who who uh, who do you got as a day one contributor? You know, this is an easy one for me. Um, I was curious how you were going to start that. So I'm going to go ahead and take the easy one off the board before you steal him next. And I'm going to take Alex Leatherwood. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this is easy, man. Uh, the the offensive tackle, six foot six, 327 pounds. You know, most recruiting services have him as the consensus number one offensive tackle. And this guy's just going to follow in the footsteps of Jonah Williams last year. You know, there's been discussion about Jonah Williams moving over for Cam Robinson and and yeah. what Jonah was able to do as a true freshman. And so this guy um, is definitely going to be um, in competition uh, at that right tackle spot with Lester Cotton and um, I think is is going to be in a position to kind of give Lester everything, you know, he wants for that position. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's an opportunity, you know, if, if you think about uh, and I agree, I think Jonah probably moves to, to left tackle. Uh, and what that does is it really gives you the right guard and the right tackle uh, spot that's open. And Lester played some right guard last year and sort of moved out of that. And and, uh, uh, you know, coaches thought that maybe he might uh, be a better fit at right tackle. I, I think I think some combination uh I think there's some combination of Lester Cotton and Alex Leatherwood at that right guard and right tackle spot. So, yeah, I agree. I think he has the opportunity uh, to be a day one contributor as well. Um, give me give me another one for you. Who else? Who else you got that that fits that mold? I'm going to go. Um, I'm, I'm going to go in the defensive secondary. And for my money, these are hard. These are harder to pick. Uh, uh, you know, Saban's real peculiar about what he likes in his secondary. And we recruited a number of guys uh, last year, you know, Shy Carter, who played a little bit, but not a whole lot. Uh, and uh, and in that Nigel Knott, I think, has an opportunity at one of the corner spots. He may sort of come in from from nowhere and sort of wow, uh, wow us. But I think uh, I think there's a kid to kind of look out for, and that's the uh, Xavier McKinney. Uh, I think sort of six six one, you know, 197. Uh, for me, he, look, he he sort of looks and feels a little bit like a Minka. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what I, I think there's sort of two linchpins in the secondary. What is Tony Brown? Uh, what what is he going to be? Is he going to you know sort of be at the star position? Is he is he sort of a a, a replacement type player because we've got to move because Eddie Jackson gets hurt, uh, or, or does he sort of own that position? And I've seen sp- some speculation that that he moves to the corner spot. To backfill for Marlin, and I'm not sure what I feel about that. I've seen where Minka maybe moves to the corner spot to backfill for Marlin. I'm not sure what I think about that, but I, I think I, I think there's some pot stirring with those two players. And at the end of the day, there's there's an empty seat that ends up, and it's either the uh, the star position or it's the safety position that uh, you know it's either where Minka started the season or where it's a, he ended the season. And I think what, however sort of that shakes out, one of those two seats is open, and I think Xavier McKinney has an opportunity to fight for it. All right, well, that's uh, – you know, it's, it's we've only had a couple cornerbacks come in as true freshmen and, uh, and be major, competi- uh, major contributors. And so, um, you know, but just because of the complexity of, of the defensive playbook, you know, uh, yeah. for, for, for Saban. And that's so that's a harder it, pick. I'll admit that's a harder pick, but I, I want to go. Otherwise, otherwise, I don't talk about a defensive back because they're so hard. And so I almost have to force myself to talk about them because it's a compelling topic because there's so much, I think, going to be transitioned back there. And so maybe I'm just using McKinney as sort of a vehicle to talk about that. But I think, I think, I think he's going to have an opportunity to to compete. And look, we've seen Minka do that at that star position. And so I think there's something to uh, him him sort of stepping in and sort of being that next Minka. Uh, I think there's an opportunity there. All right, so I'm going to go with the uh, with the easy one here, man. And I'm going to say this one is not going to count for either one of us. Like we can't <laughs> use this in our two to three. Okay, I'm going with my boy Thomas Fletcher. I think think it's safe to say um, when you are uh, the number three, what exactly does that mean? That you're the number three ranked long slap, long snapper in the country, right? That's just fun to say. And so 
Um, if we're talking about day one contributors, I think it's highly likely that Thomas Fletcher has a very good chance uh, to take on Mr. Scott Meyer, uh, last year's true freshman at long snapper. And we got a coin toss. We got a 50-50 chance that uh, that he gets to win the job. I'm just going to sit back. I'm just so proud of my Tommy. I teach you so well, so well, Grasshopper. Um, I, you know, I remember a couple years ago we thought I was nuts because I, you know, I, I said, Hey, day one contributor, you got to go JK, uh, Scott. And you thought I was nuts. What are you doing picking the punter? Well, you know, obviously he's been a day one, he's been a day one contributor since literally his day one. And so going, going with Thomas Fletcher, uh, stepping into, uh, the shoes of, of Cole Mazza. And just think about that for a minute. Has it already been four years that Cole Mazza is leaving? And the boy's uh, about to get paid in the NFL for like the next ten years snapping yes, football. Yes, if you if yes, uh, and start teaching my five year old how to long snap right now. We need to yes. work with it five days a week. I was going to say, and and Thomas Fletcher, uh, you know, he only goes about two fifteen, so he needs to put on a little weight. But uh, you know, the the message there really is that that is a skill position, and uh, and yes. And so if you have little boys, teach them to long snap because that's a fast way to, uh, to, to potentially get a they're not allowed to get They're not allowed to get hit on the punt. <laughs> and yes. they get to run down the field and make a tackle. How exactly. cool is that? And, uh, yeah. So, no, that's, that's, uh, that's a good one. I had, him, I had him on my sort of sneaky pick uh, list. I always try to get a sneaky, couple of sneaky picks in. And so um, I kind of laughed at that, uh, that you went that direction. All right, so 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 I will say in one of my real picks because that's a gimme that that's an easy pick. It is, um, you know, and and these are easy picks too, man. Just because of the plethora of riches that we have, and and this is just the Alabama program, and and why when Saban does retire, because I don't think he'll ever go back to the pros. This program will be on autopilot for three or four years, and the reason they'll be on autopilot for three or four years is because you're always going to have these kind of kids. You know, very quickly, it reminds me of Terrell Hall. Yep. And so some people are saying, well, who the hell is Terrell Hall? Well, Terrell Hall last year was a six foot five, 250-pound defensive end out of Washington, D.C. And he was the sixth player in the nation at his position. So what does he do? With all the, with all the talent in the defensive rotation last year, because we didn't have 12 guys running on the front, we only had like six. This guy saw some time and he and he was like a beast when he was in there. And so that's why Alabama's going to be good for years to come, even after Saban leaves. Yep. So j- just had to go off on that tangent for a second. But I, I will tell you to, you know, the next guy that that I'm going to put out there, um, which also just seems like a gimme to me, uh, is going to be the Jerry Judy kid. Um, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna go linebacker, but wide receiver, you know, this is a guy who he's a little bit undersized, um, at 177 pounds. Um, but I think this is a guy that, you know, sees the opportunity to step in like a Calvin Ridley did, you know, Calvin Ridley has only gotten up to 188 pounds now. And Calvin Ridley was able to see the field due to injuries, right? Had Robert Foster not gotten hurt, we'd have never known who Calvin Ridley was. Well, guess what? Last year, Robert Foster was back from his injury. We still didn't see much of of Robert in the rotation, okay? And we didn't see much of Cam Sims in the rotation. So with the loss of our Darius Stewart and losing Dieter, um, we've really only got Calvin Ridley back as a guy who was getting a lot of snaps, Cam Snips, Cam Sims was getting a few, and Foster was getting a few, and Trayvon Dick started coming on. But we we like at Alabama to run five wide receivers in the rotation, and and I don't think we have five coming back that we're comfortable with what they're gonna you know show that they can do. And so I think Jerry Judy has a chance to absolutely be in the rotation. I I completely agree, and I have I have him in the the day one contributor list as well. I've seen, uh, and and this was even just a, this was a couple of months ago. This was back, you know, you know mid mid season, you know, second half of the season. Uh, I saw some recruiting uh, uh, highlights and, and footage of him, and you know, 
I don't often see that and sort of drop my jaw because you think who are they playing against and stuff like that. But this was footage from from an All Star game, and so I guess it was I guess it was filmed last summer, and and, and I just had gotten around to seeing it. But uh, you know he was going one on one with uh, some really top ranked defensive backs, and some of the moves that he was making just in space, just getting off the line, not a double move at speed, not a double move sort of you know cutting across the field. But just, just his in a phone booth movement, and then hitting the gas and getting that separation just, just in that split second was just was very impressive. I saw that and I said, "Who is he?" And I hope we get him. And and it sort of turns out that it, that it's Jerry Judy. And so he's a guy that I think has an opportunity. Uh, and look, have have we not seen true freshmen come in and play at the wide receiver position? Uh, you know, under Nick Saban. So, so think think about some of those guys. And so maybe his top end isn't that. I just think he has uh, the opportunity to come in uh, just Im- immediately and contribute. And you know, just because we break things down uh, a million different ways, Jerry Judy may already be. He, I mean, gosh, he better live up to this. Uh, he may already be one of my all-time favorites. Uh, my dad's name is Jerry, and my late mother's name is Judy. And so. I mean, this guy's this guy's perfect, right? No, that is awesome, man. He's um, he's got some stuff to live up to, but but he definitely, uh, I think he's a guy that just is in a similar mold to Ridley, and and you know, I, I think you could see a similar story with him for sure. Right. Give me give me your give me your other give me somebody else on your list. Do you have anybody else on your day one contributor list? Yeah, I'll go one more on my day one contributor and. And uh, I, you know, hey, look, these are these guys are all kind of new, and so I might do my best sort of Kenny Stabler uh, imitation here, and you know, I've been called worse for it, but uh, uh, I think the kicker, the walk-on, uh, Joseph uh, 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 Bolivas, uh, and I probably did just butcher that. Uh, look, I think he's walking into. I don't think he's like quite like the sneaky pick, like uh, like your kicker or like your snapper. But uh, I think there's I think there's a, uh, an open opportunity for him to come in and compete for that starting position. Uh, he may not get a day one scholarship, but uh, you know he may get uh, a year from now he may be uh, awarded a scholarship, and so uh, and he may be a three or four year kicker, which I think would be a nice a nice place to be to have someone that uh, comes in uh, and and demonstrates a capability and just sort of builds on that uh, over the years. So I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go the kicker. Uh, you know, for, uh, again, you know, my day one contributor. What so, are we two of our, so two of our guys is long snapper and kicker. Is that correct? <laughs> you know, and it's not like we're trying to outthink it, but, but the room, but a little bit, maybe this is are. the university of Alabama who you just said had the top <laughs> but, recruiting hey, class man. for seven years in a row. And you know, out of five but, guys were given the listeners, the damn long snapper and kicker. I know, I isn't that just, nuts? Y'all can and, just hit the stop button now. It's all well, good. No, no. And I'm telling you, there's names on these lists that that, and we're going to get to some of them. But there's names on these lists that are going to be at the top of fans' minds, and they're going to be at the top of. And so there's people sort of you know yelling at us. You got to say you know kind of so and so, and we're not done yet. Uh, but uh, when you start looking at you know who is a shoe in day one contributor, those those can be hard to find, and. It's it's a lot of times it's it's sort of the convergence really of what the opportunity looks like, uh, and there are some positions where we have recruited some mad talent that there's also sort of a mad logjam, and and so you pick some of these others that we've talked about, and and there's less of a logjam, there's more of an opportunity to sort of you know move to the front of the line, uh, if you will. So well, and also for the listener's standpoint, on last year's team there were six true freshmen who met this list of ours day one contributors. Yes. Either either starters or role players in the rotation significantly, special teams, some type of contribution that was significant to the team. So interestingly enough, yeah. six of those guys met this list last year. Yeah, and 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 so and significant is maybe a subjective term. There are more than six freshmen that that did contribute, that did participate uh, you know, in a snap, yes. but, but we've got a little bit of a different bar that they, they contributed more in, in what we're perceiving as, as a material way. And that's just how we're defining that. And, you know, it's our podcast. So that's how we're defining it. <laughs> All right. So give me, give me, uh, give me the next category, set this up here. So this is going to be the, the players that we feel like, um, are going to have maybe not out of the gate day one, 
but when we look back, they're going to have had a significant uh, career at Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. And so these are the guys that they they are no less talented. Some of them may even be more talented. Uh, but there's just a convergence of circumstance. There, there's there's a logjam that may prevent them from being sort of that day one contributor. I always use every year I use the same guy as an example. AJ McCarron. You, it's inarguable that he had a phenomenal career at Alabama. It's also inarguable that he redshirted. Uh, and so this is kind of that category. Guys that we think, you know, they may win the Career Achievement Award. They may have a phenomenal, you know, sort of all-time career. Uh, we just think they may have a rougher path to getting onto the field, uh, you know, sort of given, given a log jam, jam kind of ahead of them. So uh, do you want to kick this off or, uh, you know, I've got some names here too. No, I know, I know you're not going to steal mine, so you go ahead and go first here. <laughs> All right, I you know I've got I do have a couple guys, but uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna come uh, come at this a little bit different. Uh, I'm going wide receiver Terrell Shavers, six six two hundred. You know at, at at that at that height weight ratio, I think he's probably a little lean. I think uh, I think I'd probably like to see you know five or ten more pounds on him. Uh, he's fluid and tall. I think he does have a body type that, and, and he's, and he's, uh, and he's consistent fast, consistent in the four fours. And so I think he has a body type that, that we've not seen or at least not seen have success. You know, we've seen, uh, the, the Falcons, we've seen Keefs, uh, we've seen other sort of tall receivers not have the opportunity that we think that they should or that they could. Uh, I think Tarell Shavers is, is going to be a little bit different than that. I think I think he has more top end talent, and he may have a harder route to the field this next season. But uh, I think he finds it, and I think over the course of his career, uh, Tarell Shavers has a fantastic career at Alabama. Well, definitely that six foot six frame, right? If he can fill that out a little bit, right? That would, um, yep. you know, if this guy's, you know. After after a couple of years in the Alabama program, if he's sitting here at six foot six, two hundred and thirty pounds, yeah, um, it's a whole different conversation. Yep. All right, so I'm going to go ahead. I've looked this up a couple times, and and I'm still not going to get this right. So for the listeners, bear with me. Uh, but but he will steal this with his second one uh, since he didn't. I knew he wouldn't steal it with his first one. So I am going to go uh, with the Gatorade Player of the Year yep. with the top prospect in Hawaii. And so uh, it's my understanding that it's Tua Tagovailoa. Okay, that's best I got. Best I got, Tua, man. I'm sorry. Tua, so, man. Tua. Tua. Tua, you're our guy. No, man. Um, you know, this guy, from from what I have seen footage-wise, um, dude, I see a lot of Tim Tebow here. Okay. Okay. And 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 I'm just gonna and that and that's obviously that's not meant as a negative, right? Because because Tim Tebow had a great career at, at Florida. Sure. He did. Um. And and Tim Tebow couldn't get on the field his first year, right? He he was he was backup man, right? And next thing you know, they bring him in to, you know, to do his little jump ball and the, you know run yeah. run the ball in at the goal line and do his little jump ball, blah blah blah. So. This is a guy that I think is going to give uh, Jalen Hurts a fun competition in the spring yep. um, by being an early enrollee, uh, by being, you know, you know, a freshman only one year behind Jalen. I know they like to create separation. I get it. But at Alabama, the reason all these guys are signing early uh, and the reason these guys, the reason, the reason these guys are not scared of competition is because they see that Coach Saban is going to play whoever the best player is. Yep. And so, dude, we remember years and years ago when Alabama had like the – remember the years ago that we were – you know, I hate to bring up this this time in Alabama history, but back when we had all the lovely stuff happen with the program and we had the top defensive line recruiting mm-hmm. class in the nation. We didn't have the top class. We had the top defensive line class, and we were so excited because we had the top defensive line class. Well, one of those defensive linemen at the very last minute said, well, screw it. I'm going to Kentucky Yep. because I'm not going to come compete at Alabama. Okay? He obviously went on, had a good career at Kentucky, played in the pros, blah, blah, blah. My point is guys like guys like Tua and guys like Najee Harris, okay, is, is another example, and, and other of these high-profile guys, that don't shy away for competition, they're the kind of guys we want. This is yeah. why Alabama has the type of program they have. So Tua is sitting there saying, Jalen Hurts almost won the national championship. 
He would have been the first true freshman to have done it since the quarterback for Oklahoma in 1980-81, whatever it was. I forgot. But Tua still comes here. You see what I'm saying? And he was committed a long time ago, and he had five visits, and he took none of them. And everybody's like, oh, he's going to flip the field. He's going to go to USC at the last minute. Well, I like the fact that the kid was committed for a long time. I like the fact that he didn't take any of his five visits when he could have, okay? And this kid, I think, has the makeup that is good for this program. This is the this is like the perfect quarterback behind a Jalen Hurts because if Jalen Hurts continues to evolve and blows up, Tua's going to be there. If Tua wins the job outright, Tua's going to be there. Yep. This is a guy – that I definitely think fits into category two for this uh, for this discussion. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, and I think this is going to be a phenomenal. Uh, Dwayne Robinson was the player that you're thinking about, Roberts Robertson. Thank uh, you very much. But uh, but yes, uh, you know, I'm sorry that was just bugging me. The the uh, uh, the t- you know, hey, look, Tua is is phenomenal, and I and I was listening to something uh, just ESPN Radio. And uh, Trent Dilfer was talking about, and Trent Dilfer runs sort of the eleven on eleven, and uh, and he was talking about Jalen, and uh, had a lot of positive things to say about Jalen, and was really sort of you know building it up and talking about, you know, Jalen was a stiff legged passer, and that was one of the mechanic that they uh, that they had to change, otherwise you know he could, uh, you know he he ran a higher risk of of hurting his knee, and so he he was all season sort of playing with a platform that that was new to him. Uh, and, 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 but was really just building up, talking about character guy and the family and unflappable and just, and just really just, just going on about it. And then they asked what, you know, tell us about this to a guy and, and, and you could see, you, you could almost just hear Trent just go, well, now that's, you know, that's another animal, <laughs> you know, almost for all the heap and praise on Jalen, it's, you could almost tell that he was like, oh, well, that's another level. And and he said, look, I'm not predicting, I'm not forecasting, I'm not, you know, saying it's going to be, but I'm saying when I see sort of the mechanics and I see uh, the athleticism and I see it all together, I see him be, have the potential to be an Aaron Rodgers type quarterback, that he's that special. And in, and he just kind of put it out there, you know, that he's that special. And he goes, nothing against Jalen. Jalen's incredible as well, but Tua might be one of those sort of in a generational sort of talents. And so – it's going to be, and in the fact that he's enrolling early, you know, get a front row seat at a day to watch this thing because it could be very, very special. They're going to start and probably uh, be the starters for uh, their, their respective teams. And it's going to be very compelling to see how that plays out. Uh, that would and- be more fun than some of the, uh, <clears throat> before, uh, that would be better than some of the directional school games that we play for sure. Yes, it, it really will be. And, 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 <clears throat> And look, and you you said this, and it's one hundred percent true. Uh, you know, uh, one of two things is going to happen. I could make a case for either of them, but they're both true. Uh, whichever one sort of plays out, they're both true, and they're both good for Alabama. Tua will make Jalen just the open competition, and then plus Jalen, you know, getting better and more experience. Tua will will make Jalen demonstrably better, or he will beat him and be demonstrably better. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's my forecast is that play at the quarterback position next year will be better than it was, uh, this past year. And, you know, I don't mean that to sound like I'm going out on a limb necessarily, but I just, I can, I can say that it will be better next year, but I can't tell you which quarterback it'll be. No, I'm with you. And either, either, either result is good for Alabama, right? Yes, yes, yes. Well, give me, uh, give me your, give me your next guy here that that you know stands to to have a good career as a as a whole body of work at Alabama. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go. This may be the unicorn that we've been looking for, uh, and and it just sort of jumped off, uh, you know, when I saw it, and and was kind of been just you know the the little bit of, you know kind of following of this, uh, but uh, tight end Kedrick James. Uh, uh, I've written all over my notes. Uh, look, you know, he's he's what six four, and and the and the stat that jumped out. I have even boxed it, and that's why my notes are so messy. Uh, he's coming in at two sixty, and so I just below his name, I just wrote Michael Williams, and so longtime listeners get get that. Uh, I think Kedrick William or Kedrick James 
hey, is he the is he the Michael Williams that we've been looking for? Yeah, the guy that we have not been able to to fill in this program, you know, for a few years now. Yep. Yep. All right. So so this one this one is easy in the category of legacy in the program and okay. the body of work. Okay. So listeners, I want you to go back to a name, Deshaun Hand. Everybody knows this name now. Well, Deshaun Hand, when he was a true freshman, was the number one player in the nation, right? This kid, when he came out of you know Woodbridge, Virginia, at 6'4", 260 pounds, was the number one player. Yep. But because of the depth at Alabama, he didn't see the field. He didn't start to see the field a little bit toward the end of last season. And then this season, even this season, he has been a true backup to you know the front guys. Agreed. Which just speaks to Alabama. Are you freaking kidding me? Like right. that, that's why we're the 33rd NFL team. Okay. Right. We're not a college team. That's why we could kick the shit out of a few NFL teams this past year. And so um, and this category is gonna be LeBron Ray. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is just going to be your unicorn that fell out of the sky today because he kind of fell in our lap today. And, oh, by the way, because you're Alabama, we're just going to drop in your lap uh, a five-star player who's number one in his position. Right. So, you know, Alabama sits here today and they're like, oh, my gosh, we were not able to get Aubrey Solomon. Well, at least he didn't go to Georgia. At least he stuck with Michigan, right? So you don't get the five-star defensive tackle uh, that you wanted to get today. But you got an unexpected benefit in LeBron Ray. Yep. And this kid is going to be the Deshaun Hand. Right. Deshaun Hand is going to blow up next year. He's going to be a senior and he's going to be all world. And people are going to be like, who is this guy? Right. Well, LeBron Ray is not going to take that long because we don't have the depth in front of him that Deshaun Hand did. So, so it's very possible LeBron Ray doesn't see the field next year, um, but he will see the field as a sophomore. And he will build off of that. And this is a guy who I don't think will be here his senior year. Okay. Okay. I, you know, hey, look, he, he's one of those guys that people are yelling at us to name because I think, uh, you know, he is one of sort of the highlight names, if, if you will, uh, in, in this class. And, and I think he has the opportunity to, uh, you know, I, I, but look how we're naming him, right? That's right. funny. We're sitting here naming him as a body of work guy. Yeah. <laughs> Not as, not as you know, you're going to be the starter in September. Yeah, it, but I don't. I wouldn't rule it out though. Uh, you know, you could, like I said, you could almost put a put a, a blanket over some of these DLs because the need is there. Uh, I kind of went with the JUCO because he has some separation. You know, he's older. You know, played more ball, that kind of thing. But uh, but uh, yeah, I, this is a phenomenal player, and uh, I think he is. Uh, you know, I think he's going to compete, and then we'll see. We'll, you know, we'll see how it plays out uh, because we do have some. Uh, we do have some – I hesitate to use the word depth. We do have numbers at the DL, uh, but there's a lot of opportunity for either those guys or someone else to step in and see some playing time. Well, given uh, the well, given the fact that we only got two defensive end type of guys in last year's class, um, you know, we obviously talked about Terrell Hall. The other guy we picked up was Jamar yep. King. Yep. You know – those are the only two we got last year. Yep. So to your point, getting LeBron Ray here at the end uh, to to help out some decent depth in this class was a big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going with my next pick, and I'm doing it under the philosophy of I'm competing with you to get more right answers than, than you're going to get. Okay. Uh, and I'm also using the philosophy of you can't go broke making a profit. And uh, so there's some guys in this category. Now you're not allowed to pick because they're too easy, right? There's some guys you can't pick that, that, that are going to have a good body of work, right? We talked about, and you know, I will say very quickly, I compare this year's class to the 2008 class. Oh, that's one of my favorite classes. That's what I do. But, but I do, we're going to look back at this class like 2008, I, when, when when we had the Trent Richardson and we had the 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 Fulger and our Fluker and we had the um um hey look 
I, I am. No, I'm with you. The, help me out. Give me the corner. Dre, Dre, Dre uh, Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick. And we had all three of those five stars who were standing yep. on the sideline and they weren't playing in September. No, look, this I, class is going to be like that class. Well, look, I'm going to look, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, and, and I, I gush at the thought of that. Uh, when, when that class finished, when that class went all the way through and finished, I did sort of a retrospective was the 2008 uh, recruiting class, the best recruiting class ever. And I listed every single player in that recruiting class and then sort of told their story uh, of their Alabama career. There was a number of players that sort of never really developed. There were a number of players that were two and three time all Americas that were norm uh, that were uh, multiple national title winners. And, and, and it was, I mean, it was a treat to go kind of go back and think about that. And I'm going to paste that in the show notes. So go to Bama Hammer. If you're listening to this, go to Bama Hammer, look for the show notes for this, and then go just do yourself a favor and kind of peruse that list of names. When we reference the the 2008 recruiting class, it is with reverence. Uh, and uh, and so if we're thinking this class sort of uh, projects uh, or makes us sort of recall that, then uh, then then do yourself a favor and just sort of you know go back and look at some of those names. I started to say, dude, we 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 have we have to do this real quick because you set this up and our listeners love our long shows. So I had to pull this up real quick. I'm just going to give a couple of those: uh, Julio, Julio Jones, Mark Barron, Courtney Upshaw, uh, Michael Williams, Marcel Darius, Mark Ingram. I'll, Tommy, I'll, Tommy. I'll, oh yeah, oh yeah, and Dante Hightower. I'll stop there. Okay. So, so, so Tommy, you demonstrate, you don't know how the internet works, right? Because you teased and you go get clicks. I just, I just like, like name the pro bowl roster from the game last week. No, no, I understand. And, and, and Barrett, uh, you know, Barrett Jones, uh, was in that class too, who won a Remington and an Outland trophy, which, yes, you know, I mean, and I didn't mention him just because he's not currently on a starting roster, which is, which is crazy. But just to, just to sit there and say, Julio Jones, Courtney Upshaw, and right. uh, Marcel Darius, and and freaking Dante Hightower. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, come on. Uh, I, I, well, three of those guys are playing Sunday, right? Like, <laughs> not like. <laughs> and, and let me let me restate that: three of those guys are playing Sunday in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so how about that? So go ahead, so, give me give me your last guy here, man. So yeah, and so you've distracted me, and uh, and so look, you say some guys are too easy to pick and stuff like that. I have, I have a thread of logic that makes this a slam dunk. Uh, so we're talking about career achievement, uh, potential red shirt, but career achievement. I'm going tight in. I'm tight in heavy in this category. I'm going tight in uh, major Tennyson, uh, six, five. Oh, he was going to be my next guy. Go ahead. Have fun with it. Six, five. Look, I mean, here's my case and, and the case is inarguable. Six five two thirty, And he is part of a legacy of tight ends that Saban just loves. Colin Peak, Preston Dow, Brad Smelly. Uh, there was a transfer from Georgia Tech. His name escapes me. Uh, Brian Vogler, Miller Forrestal. Catch the theme. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, Major Tennyson uh, will contribute uh, during his career at Alabama. No, man, that's that's fair. That's that's I I can't go against that one, man. And um, all right, I, I will I will tell you uh, he was going to be my last guy laying in waiting. And you, you totally you totally screwed that up. And you so um, go t- two tight ends. I really did. I really didn't think you'd go there again. Um, all right, let's do this. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and flip the, the field yep. to our last category, and um and 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 set that up for the listeners. Yeah, the, this last category is a little bit of a sort of wild card. Uh, you know, it's sort of the mini game ball of of the show. These are guys that we don't know exactly where to put them. Uh, you know, in in the other two sort of neatly categories, but these are guys that we just can't do a show and not talk about. And, uh, and, and, you know, there's a hell of a lot of these guys too. All right. I know you have a, I know you have a lot of these guys because of the talented class, but, but we got to limit this to a couple. So go, go ahead and give me your first one here. I'm going to go my, I'm going to go my first one. Look, I, I mean, I just can't not talk about this guy. Um, uh, Najee, Najee Harris, 6'3", 226. I'll be honest with you. I don't know where he – I mean, obviously he's a running back. And and there's a little bit of candor I have. I don't know how he gets snaps. I don't know how he gets for reps. I mean, he's uber-talented. Next year, next year yes. I, you know, and yeah, in, in this next season. But I think he's too talented to not get an opportunity. And it's one of those things where he has – 
he has talent where he might be a three-year player. So get three years from him, you know, and I, and I think, you know, Georgia learned that lesson with the running back several years ago. Uh, we may have probably learned that lesson with, with uh, Marlon Humphrey. He was here for three years. He only stepped on the field, two of them. And so if you have this kind of talent, then, you know, you kind of, you find a way, but, you know, Bo and Damian and Josh and, and BJ Emmons, uh, you know, sort of where's, where's the, the, the gap and opportunity for him to come in. I can't answer that question, but I just think his talent is so is just off the charts that I can't keep him off the field. And to me, that makes him like the quintessential wild card. Logic tells me there's not room for him to play. Logic tells me there's no way he doesn't play. No, I'm with you there. Um, you know, and I and I think that's a I think that's a good call um, because I think he is um, he has shown. Um, in his body of work and his crazy body of work. And and not only, you know, the listeners have seen his story, but, you know, what he did this year for his high school football team, you know, with, you know, being injured, at, you know, before the season even started and carrying the load that this kid did uh, to have more carries and more touchdowns and more yards his senior year than he had his sophomore and junior year. Yep. I mean, dude, I mean, there, there's there's people that have compared him to a a faster Derrick Henry who who yes. is not just a downhill guy that's freaking scary he's not as heavy and and he's a big back but he's not that big right i mean he's he goes you know 63 so he's got the height and he goes 226 which is different than than bo and and henry that you know were maybe 240 and so he maybe i mean i i want to compare him to Eddie george but i think Eddie george was pretty heavy too uh, maybe in the 230s. And so he he fits this sort of unique spot where, you know, maybe he he has weight more like a uh, a TJ Yeldon, maybe, maybe even just a little bit more. And then, you know, at 6'3", he's got some height. I, I mean, his his body type is, is you know, is pretty interesting. If he weren't as good of a uh, – if he weren't as talented as, as a wide receiver. And I'll tell you what's cool about this guy is he has hands for days. And so I just think there's – there's an opportunity for him to 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 sort of carve out a space, uh, and and it'll it'll kind of be fun to see if this if this guy were Joe Harris, he might be the best you know the best defensive end to play college football, but but you know his he has his reputation staked as a running back, and so he's going to play running back. But um, I just you know hey I just think the guy it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. I will say very quickly for the listeners that it's funny that you mentioned that last comment because, you know, as you talked about the best linebacker, Joe Harris, that reminds me of the Derrick Henry story. Yeah. Derrick Henry was being recruited by other schools to play linebacker and, and he wanted to play running back. And um, I I think, you know, there's a, there's a similar story here um, with Harris for sure. Yeah. Well, well, my first wild card, uh, is going to be a guy uh, who didn't even sign a scholarship today, and that's going to be Jerez Parks. Okay. Um, you know, I, I go back and look at this current class losing Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson. You talk about the the talent at running back and the log jam. Well, dude, we just lost two guys. You know, you know how much I like Ryan Anderson, but you got, you know, Tim Williams was 6'4", 253, and Ryan Anderson was 6'2", 252. And they both ran like deers, and they got in the weight room, and they became big as oxes, right? And you know, when you when you talk about Saban and his love for tight ends, Saban also loves him some Courtney Upshaw, Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, Dante Hightower type of guys. Yep. And so there's a reason this Jerez Parks guy is is not signing with one of other of one of thirty other schools who would have who would have snapped him up today. For the number number seven, you know, weak side defensive end at, at you know in the country. Yeah. So at 6'3", 253, this is a guy that might not see the field right this second. You know, there might be at, at the at the Jack and the Sam linebacker, the Christian Millers and the Anthony Jennings and the Terrell Halls, you know, they're they're gonna their their numbers are are getting punched. But this is a guy that is a wild card that I could see being a special teams contributor. I could see him popping heads like Mac Williams, um, you know, potentially in the, for this program long term. That yeah. this this is a guy that we're going to look back and say we're glad he he got here whenever he does get here. 
Yeah, and and look, I'll, I'll go out on what I think is a pretty sturdy limb, and I'll say, look, I know that he is gray shirting, but you know, it, it's every year. It's part of the cycle, right? There's players that there's certain times of the year that players leave a program, uh, and you know, some well, look players. At what, well, look at what happened to us this last, you know, off season. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 that and that's just it, right? I mean, there there are times of the year, and so you know, at the end of the season, and now we're sort of the elongated and separated sort of bowl season. That's a, that's a little bit, you know. Blake Barnett was the oddball, right? Leaving in sort of in in the flow of the season, but one of the one of the times that uh, it's almost you know you can almost schedule it when players are going to leave teams is uh, in in spring practice or towards the end of spring practice, maybe at the end of, you know, after day, a day and sort of the the sort of the, the celebration with the team related to that, because you learn, you know, you know, it's a truth serum, right? I think I'm at this place in in the pecking order and I have just found out that I'm here and I see who's beating me. Right. I see younger guys beating me. Uh, in the depth chart. And so I'm going to go and sort of play out my string somewhere else. And so my sort of, sort of, uh, I think obvious uh, uh, prediction is that the Parks kid, uh, he, he, there's a better than average chance that he gets a scholarship for the fall uh, that, uh, you know, that someone, someone is going to, you know, recognize that I'm, you know, my time at Alabama has sort of run out uh, you know, and, uh, and I'm going to leave, uh, you know, following spring practice. And so I think, I think there's an opportunity that some doors open and, um, and, you know, some scholarships are awarded there and, uh, parks, parks might be one of those guys. Uh, so we'll kind of see, see how that plays out. And very quickly, this is another way that Alabama separates themselves from other programs. Yes. Yeah. Is being able to just backfill with guys like this. Yep. Yep. All right. Give me, give me your next guy there. My my next uh, my next wild card guy, and to me, I th- you know this is almost a prototypical wild card, uh, in different in a different way than Harris was, but sort of he, he kind of fits the mold. And I'm going to Elliott Baker, uh, the JUCO uh, offensive lineman. He's six seven, so clearly he's stole know, another one. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry. I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead. More more of a tackle. And sort of the X factor on him, you know, he could compete. You know, again, we talked about, you know, if Jonah moves over to left, uh, I think Alex uh, Leather Leatherwood gets a chance, and he may actually, you know, maybe start his career at right guard uh, if if Elliot sort of steps in, and Elliot could could play potentially either at either tackle pot spot. I think he'll get a chance to sort of compete for either of them. Uh, and so he could step in, sort of day one starter, sort of the JUCO thing. Saban gets JUCOs that are going to come in, and so. But if you think about offensive linemen JUCOs that have come in and started from day one, do you have to go back all the way to James Carpenter for that? Yes, you do. Yeah, and so there's there's a there's a reputation that maybe hasn't sort of you know maintained itself. Uh, what was it, the Lee uh, Lee uh, Leroy? Um, who am I thinking of? There's a there's a lineman that that uh, that we predicted was going to have uh, that role, and it never sort of materialized for him. And then late in his career, he uh, he he sort of you know had had some steady opportunities. Charles Baldwin last year. I mean, look, I mean, talk about a wild card. He could you know this this guy could come in and be the next James Carpenter, or he could come in and be the next Charles Baldwin. Who you know I don't think Baldwin even made it through spring drills, did he? And and he said food on that. So, no, yes. uh, and, and I'm not predicting sort of that. I'm not predicting that role for Elliot. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'll look at this guy, Juco offensive lineman. We've seen some history with sort of Juco offensive lineman. And, um, and so I see a wild card. He could be a day one starter or, you know, he could be the scholarship that opens up for, for Parks. And I don't mean that mean spirited towards the kid. I'm, I'm more sort of joking off of what happened last year, but, but, I mean, look, there's two players that sort of fit the same criteria, right? Highly ranked JUCO guys came in with an opportunity for day one start, and boy, did they go opposite ends. And so you take the next one in, and it's like, well, you know, this could play out a couple of different ways. Uh, and uh, and so that's why I put a big sort of wall card on uh, L.A. Baker. All right, man, so I'm about to throw you for a loop for this one. Do it. So he's obviously high-radar guy, okay? Sure. But he's, I'm putting him in my wild, wild card category 
um, because it's kind of like it's kind of like the Joker in the deck of cards. Yeah. Um, you don't know where you're going to put this guy. And um, everybody's got him listed at number two at his position at outside linebacker. But I think Dylan Moses is our next Mark Barron. Really? Yes. At a safety position? Yes. Oh, okay. I think this is a guy that will come in and he will not be able to see the field right now. And he will not be able to see the field because of the the plethora of talent which you know we kind of have in front of him. I mean, there's 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 names out there as there's names out there as you know of guys like Ben Davis, right? Who are just waiting in the the lurks, right, to step on the field. Mm-hmm. And there's Mac Wilson who is waiting to step on the field. And those guys were the number one and two at their position last year's class. I think this is a guy that just from everything I've seen. I, I think he will be at least given a look, okay, at the safety position. I'm not saying that's where he's going to end up, but I think this is a guy that has the ability because of everybody, you know, everybody speaks about how good of a sideline to sideline player he is and yeah. how physical he is and how smart he is. And I just think that of all the linebackers in this class, I think that that could be a natural progression for him to, to play on Sundays. That you know, that's interesting. It, it his weight. If you if he were you know two twenty, as opposed to two thirty five, I, I I would probably connect those dots. I, well, some I of the some of the well, some of the ones I'm looking at are, are listing him at two twenty five. Okay, yeah. and okay. so so some are showing at two thirty five, and some are showing him at two twenty five. No, so. that's fair. I, you know, I, look, I you know, and 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 I say that sort of almost as a nitpick because I look at and I've got you know Dylan in in this spot as well. Uh, you know, and you could almost you could almost sort of throw a hat over some of these linebackers. I mean, I like the Benton kid. I like the Callen kid. Uh, you know, Chris Allen was very highly recruited. Um, you know, all of these guys, you know, all have sort of top shelf potential. And and you look at sort of what's ahead of them. You know, with Mac and and uh, and you mentioned Ben Davis. I mean, he's a five star. You know, top rated linebacker who redshirted. Uh, and, and so you've got, you've got that, uh, you've got other guys, you know, uh, 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 you know, Christian Miller, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm sort of yeah, fumbling for names, but then Terrell and, Hall, Anthony Jennings and Terrell Hall yeah. are the two guys that I wanted to name as well. And yeah. there's more, I know that that's not all. I know that there's more, uh, and, and, you know, you got Sean Dion Hamilton, who I'm a big fan of. And so you think of, we've lost some guys, but there's still some guys there and could he sort of wiggle a way in? Yeah, I think one of these linebackers will. And, you know, Dylan Moses, I mean, he's been talked about in recruiting for, you know, since he was in junior high. And so it's almost like he, you know, he was made to come in and be. And I, and I was thinking he was made to come in and be a linebacker, but he might be made to be, you know, he may have such a high sort of football IQ and readiness to play that we're that we are looking for a spot to be able to play him, uh, as opposed to looking for someone to fill a spot. And so this this takes nothing away from from Hootie Jones, right? This takes nothing away from from the situation. But like, wouldn't it be nice to be able to move a Minka back, right to right. corner? And wouldn't it be wouldn't it be? I'm simply saying this might give you options at strong safety next to Ronnie Harrison, outside of Minka. And outside of Hootie Jones, yeah, and 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 so my mind starts to wander towards, uh, you know, sort of spe- special uh, package defenses. And so, you know, how many times last year did we see Ronnie Harrison sort of start to crowd the box? And he's a thumper at, at safety. Uh, you know, also how many times did we see him sort of get dinged? And uh, and and so, you know, we don't want that. Uh, I, I kind of go back to the days of Landon Collins who may have been, you know, one of the most versatile, uh, you know, secondary players that, that we've seen, certainly right up there, and and sort of the variety of positions that we've seen him play. And he played a lot of in-the-box, uh, uh, you know, sort of in-the-box safety. And so you start to think about – and he played at Alabama, I think, in, in the 220s. And so if, if there – is there an opportunity to take someone like a Dylan Moses – and make him sort of an in-the-box, uh, sort of hybrid, you know, linebacker, safety, sort of whatever sort of position that could be. We've seen it before. We've seen people do it before. And so, you know, could Dylan, you know, find a role, sort of a, uh, a, a specialty player, especially his first year, 
then yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think I think we might would look at that type of thing to get him on the field and and let that help sort of ripple effect depth, uh, you know, in, in other parts too. If that saves Ronnie some snaps, uh, you know, over the course of the game, and then maybe that's something we want to do. No, absolutely. Well, give me give me anybody else that you have in this wild card category. Do you have one other one? Yeah, I do. I mean, you could probably throw a rug over the, uh, and I say I, I'm saying that a lot now, but uh, you know, you could probably throw a rug over the defensive lineman. You know, we haven't mentioned Mathis, and he's a bigger guy. He he goes 295, and so he has an opportunity to kind of play interior. And look, the opportunity at at, at DL. I mean, we've lost Allen Tomlinson. You know, Dakota Ball for depth. You know, we've got Deron Payne and Deshaun Hand are really our only known factors. Uh, you know, you look at Josh Frazier, O.J. Smith, Raquan Davis, Quinn, Quentin Williams, Jamar King, there's gaps, right? Someone could sort of, you know, <laughs> someone could shoulder the way, their way through that that pecking order. And it could be any of these three. It could be all three of them. Uh, but one guy that uh, one guy that I can't not talk about, uh, and I'm super excited that we got this guy, is uh, is Henry Ruggs. And so is there room for two? true freshman in the wide receiver core this year? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, but Henry's a guy that I think uh, in in uh, sort of some uh, limited opportunity, maybe, you know, playing some out of the slot. And uh, certainly in the return game, I think there will be an opportunity uh, in the return game. And so he may be a guy that can, can find a role for himself. And I think his talent you know, at that point, we'll kind of speak for himself. I think he's another guy that's going to that we may struggle to keep him off the field, uh, and that he's going to have a good career at Alabama as well. All right, man, that's that's three for three, man. That was going to be my final guy there. So, um, I, I next next year when we do this, I will go first. I, I will I, hey, go first I'll offer, man, I won't let you do that. All right, so, um, so the last guy that uh, I want to make sure you haven't stole this guy. Uh, have you have you stole? My offensive tackle from Kentucky. I want to make sure I haven't missed that. No, no, go for it. Okay, okay, all right. So I, I, I didn't think so, but I wanted to make certain here. No, no you, I haven't told him you, yet. You've thrown so many blankets around and stuff. I just got to make sure you hadn't, you know, got him <laughs> up in the blankets or whatever. All right, so I am going to pick uh, Jedrick Willis or Jedrick Wills from yeah. from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, you know, obviously, you know, oh my gosh, you're picking a five star. You know, the only reason I'm picking this guy as a wild card, you know, this guy chose Alabama over the likes of Michigan and Ohio State. Yep. Uh, these are two programs that obviously, you know, put offensive linemen in the league on a on an annual basis. Um, you know, the big thing for him is that he has the versatility to play both tackle and guard. Yeah. And so the only reason I'm mentioning him in this as my last wild card is just as we have seen um with the likes of uh when you have versatility that you can play two or three different positions it's also hard to keep you off the field uh even if you're that swing guard or that swing tackle which yep. which we like to have at Alabama yep. which we probably really didn't have this year the way we have for you know two or three years previous and so i'm mentioning wills because i think that you know given the the uncertainty as far as the two man, you know, the 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 depth for the second line is still kind of still up in the air. Yep. Uh, there's guys that are there, but I think they're just there kind of because they're the guys. You know, there's no other guys to have yep. there in some cases, and so I think Wills has an opportunity uh, to come in. Uh, and I'm only putting him as a wild card because he could. You know, we don't know where he's going to end up, uh, but at 320 pounds. Uh, we can see his versatility on either the right or the left side of the ball. Right. I think that's a great pick. I think that uh, I, you know, I he, he's definitely another guy that I looked at, and, and especially that guard position. Uh, and and he he has a, 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 a you know maybe a look different from some of the other guys that's that uh, he's he appears maybe he's re- close to being ready to play as well. And so um, yeah, I think there's an opportunity at, at that swing position. Uh, I think it was Corin Curvin, you know, was sort of that swing guy a little bit last year, and and he just sort of got pressed in the action with with some injury. Uh, didn't we kid at one point? You know, we played four guys at the left guard spot, and, or the right guard spot. Right guard and, spot during the season, right? Yeah, and so you think, you know, you never expected, you know, drill so deep at a at a position. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. But uh, you know, you start looking at, you know, well, who would sort of step into those roles, and you know, there were some guys last year that didn't. And you think, well, why didn't they? 
uh, and it could be any number of reasons, uh, but you, you get a new sort of crop of recruits, uh, they might see that as an opportunity and maybe they start to step up into some of those roles. And so, uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys there. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this class and, and I hate to, I hate to not talk about someone or I hate to leave them out. Uh, let me just throw it at you. And we didn't necessarily prep for that. Is there, is there any sort of one guy that we haven't talked about that, you know, that you look at and just feel like you got to say something about? Oh man, just, uh, there, there are several guys that fit into that category, you know, just due to, just due to the nature of this class. Um, you know, as, as far as, as far as guys that, that I think are, man, there, there's, there's guys that, that you don't want to leave off the radar. Um, man, probably not one per se, okay. you know, you okay. mentioned, you mentioned Chris Allen, yep. um, you know, he would be a guy that, you know, oh, by the way, he's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and didn't sign with LSU. And oh, by the way, he's the number four inside linebacker at 6'4, 234. So he would probably be the first guy I would mention. Um, the other guy I would probably mention in that category. Um, you know, I'd probably say, you know, Chajarius Townsend. Yep. And and the reason I say him is because what has Alabama consistently done year in, year out? Uh, with the guys like Trevon Diggs. Trevon Diggs last year was the number four athlete at his position, whatever that means, at six foot, 183 pounds. Well, they need to change the name from athlete to versatility. Well, Jadarius Townsend, he's not the fourth ranked guy in the country. He's the sixth guy in the country. But guess what? He's coming to a program where Al- where Coach Saban, <laughs> he knows how to to – to put you where he's going to let you play where you want to start out trying to play, but he's going to end up molding you where you should go because he's really, really good at that. And so if I was a top athlete by that category, which is kind of a silly category, Alabama is definitely a place I would come. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that's a good, I think that's a good pick. And, and, you know, ironically, I kind of go to the, uh, the secondary for, uh, sort of my final guy that I, I didn't know exactly where to talk about him, but you know, I just want to throw his name out there. Is is a Daniel Wright? I'm, you know, there's just something about him. Uh, his top end speed uh, is 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 maybe not what what you you look for. Uh, I think he has an opportunity to work on that, but I think he's got really good ball skills, and so I think he might be an interesting player uh, to sort of develop into something. And could he play a uh, you know a star type position? Uh, you know, can can he can he maybe work on his his forty time and and play at a strong safety? I mean, he has a he has a smaller frame, but he's listed as a as a safety, and you know that could just be and and you know in high school they want to move him around and let him be super versatile. Uh, they talked about his uh, his his ball skills and his non offensive touchdown counts and his interceptions and and uh, he just seems like hey he might be a guy that. You know, before we know it, he's he's sneaking in some playing time and making some plays. So, um, and again, you know, you know, and oh, by the way, he was in Florida State's you know backyard and decommitted from Florida State, right? So, absolutely. Obviously, he's got some pedigree. Hey, I want to mention real quick before we wrap up that you know the biggest thing for Alabama is that a lot of a lot of teams have really good recruiting classes year in to year out, the top yeah. ten or fifteen or twenty. But what truly makes Coach Saban different? in my opinion, is what he does when they set their foot on this campus. Yes. And his ability, his ability to, for them, how they grow and mature as a football player during their college years, other schools bring in a four-star, we bring in a four-star, but then project four years out, and our guys are just head and shoulders above those other guys, whether it's a four-star or a five-star and and that that I think is is what allows Saban to continue having this this dominance and this separation. Yeah, it really is sort of a, a it, it truly is development. It's not just oh he's a sophomore so he'll be better than as a freshman and as a junior he'll be better as a sophomore and 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 you know it's not just the experience it's not just being a year older. There's an intentionality uh, to you know it's like you know Malcolm Gladwell's you know intentional practice. Uh, you spend more time with intentional practice and you, and you will get better. And that's, that's really the function uh, that, that Saban serves. It's not just, they're going to get better because they're a year older. No, 
they're better because they've had a year of our system, a year of our process, a year of our intentional process. It's not just the passage of 12 months. It's the investment of, of intentional effort over that 12 months that makes them better. And that just seems to be something that not all, not all coaches, not all programs, certainly not all those that we've had at Alabama have embraced that. I mean, we've seen guys come in and play as a freshman, and that's about as good as they've ever been, you know, as, as they ever are in their career. And, and they never sort of evolve. And, and while that's impressive as a freshman, it's a letdown as a junior, you know. And, uh, and we've had guys that we've seen, you know, under coaches where they just don't get any better. They are what they are, and, and, that's, all they've, and that's all they'll be, um, you know, which sometimes can be enough. But, man, you put that with the right coaching and the right effort and the right development, man, that's when you got something special. And, uh, and I think I, you're spot on, you know, these guys are entering a, I almost want to say laboratory, but it's not a laboratory because, you know, a lot, you know, it's, it's more of a science, uh, and, and it's, and it's more of a known thing. Come in, do this. And, and here's what you get for it. Um, it's not, it's not an experiment. Uh, it's, it's a known quantity and some players can hack it and some can't. And uh, I hope we've got uh, I hope we've got a list of names here. Some we've talked to, some that we haven't, that uh, that are going to invest well into this process, and uh, and they'll just be the next sort of group of legacy players. And and I hope to get to come back and write you know sort of a retrospective on the 2017 class uh, because you know there's a lot of talent here, and and they can certainly take us places. No, absolutely. I think this is going to be you know while I think Saban's got many more years to coach. Um, this could be a nice bookend uh, over his first uh, decade um, as far as how this class shapes up when all is said and done. Yep. Time to start filling up another shelf then, huh? <laughs> well, he, he said today, man, that this was this was three years in the works. Yes. And that just tells you, you know, what he puts into this. He's yep. been working on this class for three years. Yep. Yep. So I enjoyed it, man. And uh, now I'm ready for a day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, um, has this class, has this class saved Alabama that was careening off the career into oblivion? Has this class done that? You know, um, I don't think Armageddon is here just yet. <laughs> we, we staved it off one more week. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think we've, I think we've been able to do that. Fantastic. Fantastic. I agree with that. Uh, and a day. Yes. I can't wait. Uh, you know, not just the day day of the game, but uh, but spring practice and sort of following, uh, you know, some of those scrimmages and some of those developments. We're going to see a lot of competition. We're going to see a lot of players sort of move uh, 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 positions and, and and all of that stuff. And the media is going to go nuts about it. And all, everyone's going to go nuts about, you know, we're doing these things. Uh, but it's all about getting the best players developed and the best players on the field. And, uh, yeah, A Day is going to be a lot of fun. Certainly look forward to that. Hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks for listening and roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.